wonderful atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. Again, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for giving us this opportunity for both my wife and myself, Pastor, to minister the Word of God. You may be seated. I don't take this lightly, the opportunity to preach the Word of God. I, we haven't come for a holiday. It's uh, We've been here a few times now. <laughs> I think it's about 20 times we've come over to Western Australia, both here and uh, for Brother Paula several times as well. And we've never taken a holiday when we're here, although it is like a holiday with the, the butchers. It's great catching up and fellowship. But we've never had extra time to go see the beautiful sights of Perth. I think we've found the greatest plate, places in Perth, the house of God. <laughs> and uh, it's such an honor to be back here this morning. And I've got a word that I really feel. There's a theme that I feel that the Lord's given us as we're speaking on Friday night to some of the leaders. And, and I want to continue on with this thought, weak people for a strong church. And I'm going to be ministering again at Bassadine and, and uh, continuing on what the Lord's begun. And maybe it's part two, different message. But there is a theme that the Lord's laid upon my heart. Uh, and I said this on Friday night. And I'll say, I said this to our own church in recent times when I've been ministering. It's... For me, it seems like there's been something different that the Lord's been doing in this last couple of months for myself personally. I'm called to preach. I don't say that with arrogance like some big shot. I'm just, I know I'm called to preach. And uh, in recent times, the, the messages that I've been preparing, it's as if the Lord's been ministering to me. <laughs> it's like as I've been preparing the Word of God, I'm giving myself a Bible study. I'm a simple-minded person. I'm giving myself a simple Bible study. It's like the Lord is speaking to me as I'm trying to prepare for his congregation. And I like that. That's how I want the Lord to always work in my life. Because you know what? If I put you to sleep, at least God spoke to me. Uh, But of course, I didn't come here to put you to sleep this morning. But I want to minister on this thought, weak people for a strong church. Because the church of the living God is strong. It's been purchased with his blood, empowered through uh, by His Spirit, with the authority of His name, founded upon His Word, put in the hands of us. And so I, I, I'm so glad today that I am a part of His church. I've also come to realize that there is not one perfect person in this church. There is nobody here today that the Lord says, I'm glad they showed up. I couldn't minister without them. Sorry if you thought that was you. <laughs> But there is nobody here. We're here today not because God needs us. We're here today because he loves us. There is a huge difference. Huge difference. I was talking to the leaders on Friday night. We're not just servants. We are friends of God. He doesn't look to us for service. He looks to us because of love, companionship, relation, because he wants to spend time with his creation. He created everything in this world, yet he never comes to my house wanting to take my little dog for a walk or to spend time with the neighbor's cat. He only comes to my house to spend time with myself, my wife, and my son. He's not really, he gave us creation for our benefit, but what he really wants is us. And although we are a weak people, imperfect with flaws and all that kind of a stuff, he loves us enough to look past all of that and give us the hope to overcome all of it through him. As a new Christian, I, I, I was introduced to one of the gospel greats, Andre Crouch. And there's a song that he sings that I I still listen to and I love it. And the beginning of it says, I don't know why Jesus loves me. You know the song, some of you do. I don't know why Jesus loves me. And I've got to be honest with you, it was my biggest struggle. I've shared this over and over the years. 
It's always been my, as a new Christian, that was my biggest struggle. I don't know why Jesus loves me. Everybody in church is holy, righteous and perfect. Then I stayed around for a couple of weeks and I found out that they were just like me. Sinners saved by grace. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord for his grace and his mercy. And I, but I would always, that song grabbed a hold of my heart because I believed the words that I would sing. And it talks about how he left his home in glory to bring to us redemption story. And it's a great song. But those first lines, they rang so true in my ears. I don't know why he loves me. Because I saw how flawed I was. But as I began to grow in the knowledge of God and in the experience, and, and experiencing his presence, I noticed that the church was not made up of holy people. Just a holy God. The only thing that was holy in the house of God was the presence of God. And he took broken lives and put his Holy Spirit into us. Thank God for that. But it would be a simple Sunday school song that set my mind free as a young Christian. And I, and I'm, again, these, this might be a simple message today, but as I speak these words, it stirs my heart. And it's that simple Sunday school song as a new Christian that just got a hold of me. And in recent times, I find myself humming to the tune of a Sunday school song. And the song is, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And I hear the little kids sing that with such passion. But that's not a child song. That's for every born again believer to realize today that Jesus loves me. This I know. Hallelujah. Do you know today that Jesus loves you? He doesn't just love you as you are. He loves you more than that. He loves you enough to change you, transform you and to make you into something that you are not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to that the kids got a hold of it. And I love that Jesus loves me. The world might rate me and, and criticize you and me and, and say, I know where you've come from, who your father is, what your family background is. It doesn't matter, friend. Jesus loves me and that's enough for me. Praise God. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says these words. I'll give you a chance to turn there. First Peter 2 and 9. Hallelujah. I believe today that if we as born again believers ever got a hold of the love of God and knew who we really were and knew how much he really loved us, we wouldn't walk into the house of God defeated and feeling miserable. We'd walk in here dancing, shouting and rejoicing, knowing that, yes, Jesus reached out to me in love and I'm not a failure. I'm a child of God. First Peter 2 and 9. Listen to what Peter wrote. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If there is one thing that we all share in common when it comes to giving a testimony of where God found us, it's this. He found us all in darkness. Your darkness might have been depression. Your darkness might have been an immoral lifestyle. Your darkness might have been an addictive uh, type of behaviors. But it doesn't really matter what the title was. It was the same place, darkness. And the only one that could come and find you and I in darkness was light. 
And the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. So when he walks into the darkness, darkness has to leave. And he found us in darkness. But thank God he didn't leave us in darkness. He brought us into his marvelous light. Aren't you glad today he didn't leave you in darkness, but he brought us out of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a visitor here today, a guest, uh, please excuse me for getting excited. But I know what the Lord has done for me, you see. And that gets me excited. I'm 45 now, and I recognize and realize if God didn't save me in my late teenage years, I probably wouldn't be alive today. But therefore, I get excited because I was in darkness, and I knew my mess, and you knew your mess. But thank God He reached out into the mess. And now we are a message of the hope and the love and the mercy of God. You see, Peter talks up his church, royal priesthood, chosen generation, holy nation, peculiar people or God's special people. But verse 10 gives the reality of where we came from. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Peter talks up the church, but it gives us a realistic view of who we are. And where he's brought us out of. We were a people that were lost. We weren't born saved. When I was born, the angels didn't declare, holy, holy, (laughs) Jacob has arrived. (laughs) It was probably a warning to the rest of the world. There's another one. Number five's come. (laughs) But I'm so glad today that we have experienced. And if you haven't, do not leave this place today without an encounter with Jesus. We sang about Jesus, but let me tell you, Jesus isn't far away in heaven looking down and smiling upon his people. He's walking the aisles, walking the seats, sitting with us right now, moving by virtue of his spirit. He's not a God that's afar off, but he's right here now in this place. And when we sang those songs and as we minister the word of God, don't look for another time when you can respond, but know that Jesus is here right now. I'm reminded when I read this scripture uh, of his mercy towards us. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness towards us. Praise God. But as I read the scriptures, I'm reminded of some characters in the word of God that were colorful to say the least. But yet God would take them and change them and use them. And great things would be written about them. And there's one person I want to quickly just hone in on uh, just for a a brief moment. A lady by the name of Rahab. When we talk about Rahab, we give her a title to reveal what she was. And that's Rahab the harlot. (laughs) She would be one of the, she would be the one that God would use to protect the two spies that would go into Jericho and to spy out the land as Israel was preparing to go into the promised land. In Joshua 2 verse 1, follow me on this. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shidom two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab, and they lodged there. I mean, come on, Lord, why would you look for a lawyer or a doctor or someone that's really, you know, prominent in society? But no, they came to this harlot's house. Verse 9, and she said unto the men, I know the Lord have given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Verse 11. And as soon as we have heard these things, our hearts did melt 
neither did the, there remain in any man, any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Oh, what beautiful words that Rahab would say. <laughs> I mean, you've got to look at this lady. We live in a world that right now judges, right? If you knew someone was of her profession was coming to the church, some of us would stick our noses up. We shouldn't, but let's be honest. Because our world has a class of people and of jobs and of expectations. But these two spies chose an harlot's house to go base themselves so they could spy out the land. It was Rahab the harlot that would give them a report, I believe, that they would go back to the rest of Israel and say, hey, we've got a report on, 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 on Jericho's attitude towards Israel. They're afraid of us. The, the, this lady says their hearts are melting because they're so afraid that we're going to take over Jericho. Who told you these things? Rahab the harlot. <laughs> but God would use her. And because of that, her household was spared. And Israel truly came into Jericho. God did miraculous things. They got victory. Her family was spared. God used her. Praise God. And later on in the New Testament, she would be written in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. You know the heroes of faith? They mention her in the heroes of faith. Really? She's one of the greats of Moses. Yes, let's get Moses there and Elijah and Joseph and all these great characters that we aspire to. But the writer of Hebrew in verse 31 says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. I mean, Hebrews, the writer there didn't even bother to take away the title. He still carried it on. But you've got to understand that Rahab was a changed woman. She didn't go back to her harlotry. She was changed. And she would marry a man by the name of Salmon. And Salmon and her would have a child. Boaz. And when you read Luke chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, guess who you have written in the genealogy of Jesus? Rahab. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Yes, you've got the great ones, you know, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But you've also got this lady named Rahab written twice in Luke and in Matthew. Both Gospels to put her listed in the genealogy of the King of Glory, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Rahab, a prostitute in Jericho, hid two Israelite spies. She believed in God. And because of this, she and her entire family was spared. When Jericho was captured and Rahab was placed in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I ministered recently to our church uh, on the topic of Ruth. And uh, a kinsman redeemer. And we talked about Ruth the Moabitess and you know how she came in. And, and God would give her the opportunity to marry this great man by the name of Boaz. And we, we ministered about Boaz as such a great character. A man that had wealth, a man that had property, he had servants, he had maids. He was the man that had everything going for him. He had a great reputation and, and Boaz had a, 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 a great name. But Boaz's mum was Rahab the harlot. 
What are you trying to tell us today? What am I trying to tell you? God can take the weak things of this world to confound the wise. God can take the brokenness of our lives and use them for His glory. The world may label you and I as a Jacob the drunk or, or, or you the thief and you the liar. But once you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you're not the person that they say you were. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are a new man, a new woman. And the people might look at the church and say, aren't they a... Aren't they the has-beens of the world? No. We are the new, the, the new thing through Jesus Christ. Praise God. Rahab was the mother of Boaz. You see, all throughout the lineage of Jesus Christ, we see characters with some hardcore flaws. If I can use that word today. Take some time. Do a study of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Look at those names and look at some of their failings. I mean, if, if we did some of those things that they did, we'd probably be kicked out of the church. I mean, they were hardcore. But yet God chose weak people. Amen. And through that lineage would come the Messiah. I'm so glad today that you don't have to be righteous to get into the church of God. You don't need to get good to get God. But if you are broken, if you are lacking, if you have got flaws, this is the best place that you can be this morning in the presence of a God that takes weak things and is raising a strong church. Praise God. You see, many of the greats of the Bible had flaws. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a bad temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam gossiped. Martha, she worried too much. Thomas, he doubted. Sarah was impatient. Elijah, he was moody. Moses, he stuttered. And Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. Read the story. Yet God took each one of these characters, including dead Lazarus, And he used these weak people, including a dead man, and did great and mighty things. To the dead person, he says, Lazarus, come forth. He's dead. What are you going to do with a dead man? But Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. I want to tell you, friend, God is building his church today with weak things so that he can be glorified. And the world looks at the church and it just does not make sense. But when you put the power and the spirit of Almighty God into his church, friend, it is a force to be reckoned with. It is a movement that cannot be stopped. It is something that our world cannot silence. Hey, we talked about it a couple of minutes ago. Not even coronavirus and all the border restrictions and all the masks and vaccines will ever stop the church of the living God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. I'm so glad today that I'm in the church of God. If that's you, why don't you praise him for a moment? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11, listen to this. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You can probably find your name on one of those. You can probably find your name listed under one of those categories. But I love verse 11. And such were some of you. And such were some of us. But, but you are washed. But you are sanctified. 
but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's who we were. And the Bible says, and such were some of you. You can find your name in one of those categories. But the Bible stops to say, but we've been washed. We've been sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of Almighty God. I'm so glad that he put a but in the middle of that verse and says, but that's not who you are anymore. There has been a transformation. There has been a change. There has been a moment when you allowed God to wash you and to fill you, praise God. We are no longer who we were. We have been born again. Let's be real this morning in the house of God. What about us? Some of us had addiction issues. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, nicotine, social media. That's the new addiction that gets people's emotions all stirred up. Hey, if it's affecting your emotion and you can't get away from it, that's an addiction. Many of us walked into the house of God with immoral lifestyles. Hello? Shameful habits. Many came to the house of God bound by fear, scared. Many have walked into this place once upon a time coming from broken and hurting families. You've come into the house of God, myself included, with broken hearts, abusive relationships, desperate for love and acceptance, looking for love as it's been said in all the wrong places. But one day, but one day, we had an encounter with Jesus. We had a moment one day where we found ourselves in the presence of the King of glory and we were broken and we were undone. But oh, thank God that we had that day. That we had that day when we walked into a Pentecostal church, maybe a prayer meeting, maybe a youth service or a camp. It doesn't matter where it was, but there was a moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? That there was a day when we walked into an encounter with Jesus Christ. It wasn't a religious service. It wasn't just another church. It wasn't just another denomination. No, friend, you can throw that all out the window right now. It was an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he took the brokenness and he took the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment he took the hurts and the stuff that you couldn't fix or change but he took it for his glory hallelujah hallelujah why did he do that because he loves us are you hearing me this morning because he loves us today there is not one person in this building this morning that jesus does not love he has no favorites he has no hall of famers we are all in the same boat we're all in this together and no matter what your flaws are he still loves us praise god hallelujah hallelujah i was nine years old when god filled me with the holy ghost i came from my a family that experienced a lot of violence and and I remember when I got the Holy Ghost because they came to me and I've said this before and they said they, they tapped me on the shoulder and said hey somebody's getting baptized come and watch the baptism I didn't want to watch the baptism you know why I love baptisms God had just filled me with his spirit I was nine years old and I was broken by the things of this world and my family background at that moment of my life God had just filled me with his spirit 
Let me tell you, friend, there's nothing more that I wanted but just to stay in the presence of God. Just leave me there. Send me some food once in a while. But just let me linger in the presence of God. Because as a broken child, I felt joy. I felt peace. I felt something that I had never felt in this world before. I felt God in His glory ministering to me and filling me with His Spirit. Hallelujah. Did I deserve it? No. But He loved me. Did you deserve it? No. But He loves us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who you were or what your family background is or what your reputation might be. When you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you don't walk away the same way you came into that encounter. You walk out changed. You walk out better. You walk out different. Praise God. I shared this to the church the other day, but when I was joining, when I was supposed to go from year, uh, primary school to high school, there's a school, I'm the youngest of five boys, and there's a school that my two older brothers went to, caused a lot of trouble there. And then my next two brothers went to a school called Belmore Boys. And uh, I didn't want to go to that high school. And my mom said, why don't you want to go to that high school? I said, mom, you know the story. My brother Daniel, when he was 14 years old, they kicked him out. After years, after being in school for two and a half years, they finally kicked him out because he caused so much trouble. I said, and you know when my brother Matthew went to join that high school? You remember on the very first day, one of the teachers pulled him aside when she recognized his name? And she literally said to my brother, I don't know, not another Caltabiano. And of course, for the next two years, he caused a lot of trouble as well. And I knew, I had it in my head, if I enroll into that high school, the first thing they're going to say to me is, not another one. Why? Because my brothers and their surname set a reputation. And it set a standard that I was embarrassed about and I didn't want to be labeled with. And I said, because of the name that I'm carrying, I don't want to go to that school and be treated bad because of what my brothers did. So I went to another high school. And I come to realize something. How many of us have had to carry the guilt and the shame of somebody else? Because your father was this and your mother was that. Or you're in a relationship with him or you're in a relationship with her. And you carry a reputation based upon others. And, and you're unfairly uh, uh, discriminated against in some ways because that so-and-so son. Don't mess with them. You see, but when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what your name was. When you go into that watery grave called baptism, you take on a whole new name. The name of Jesus. The Bible says you go in that water and you're buried with Christ in baptism. But you rise out of the water with a new life. So then you can say to the devil and every accuser against you, I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. And I carry a new name, Jesus. You see, at the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, circumstances have to bow down at his feet. At the name of Jesus, miracles begin to happen. There's something about the name of Jesus. And when you have an encounter with him and take on his name, you're a new person through him. Hallelujah. I'm going to where I really want to be here this morning in this message. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, God's people wanted a building. They wanted to build a building in which they would be able to minister to God and house His presence. For Moses, he was given the instructions to build uh, the tabernacle in the wilderness, like a giant tent that they would carry around with them for 40 years. 
in their journey to the promised land. To them it was very important it would house instruments of worship and ministry that would ultimately lead to a place called the Holy of Holies. And in a room where the power and the presence of God would be so thick that only the high priest could go there to minister. This tabernacle was a great big tent. They would move it as they would move. Hundreds of years later, King David, he would have a desire to build a, t- a permanent temple to which Israel could minister to God. But David was a man of war. And because he was a man of war, he couldn't build the temple. But he supplied all that they needed to build the temple. Read the story. He put a lot of things aside so that one day he would raise up a son that would build the temple for God. And that's what happened. And Solomon, he built a permanent building, a masterpiece of his time. A beautiful, you can read it in scripture how beautiful it was. And then they dedicated that building. And in Second Chronicles 7, 1 to 3, it says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled their house and all the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground and upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. What a powerful church service they had that day. (laughs) When they wanted to dedicate this temple to God. The Bible gives us a, a story there that tells us that the Lord showed up and manifested His Spirit in such a powerful way that they lay on the floor, their faces to the ground because His glory was so thick and so strong. Pastor, that's the church that I want to have. That's the kind of services I want to have in worship and in ministry. That when the power of God moves, uh, we have an experience like that. Don't you want that? I don't just want good, nice music that puts a goosebump on the back of my neck and makes me feel oh, that was cozy and that was warm. I want something that transforms me. I want a real move of the Holy Ghost. I want to be able to come into His presence and know I've been in the presence of God. Amen. And that was a great building that Solomon had built. But this great God became so much more intimate with his creation in the New Testament. When he no longer wanted to minister in a building that man had made, but he wanted to minister in man who God had made. You see, in Acts chapter 7 verse 48, it says, How be it, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Acts seventeen twenty four, God that hath made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made of hands. First Corinthians three sixteen, know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Praise God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. I'm reading these scriptures because I'm I'm quickly trying to show everybody here today. In the Old Testament, they were so caught up in having a building to house the presence of God. But in this New Testament, God's saying, I don't want a building. I want a people. 
where I can house my spirit. Great building you have here. Great church. Great vision, pastor. We have church at the moment in a school hall. It's church, not because of the building, but because the Holy Ghost isn't housed within four walls, but the kingdom of God is within us. Let me tell you how much God loves you and I today. He doesn't want you to get all your money together and build a nice big church building. He wants to dwell in you. I mean, people pay millions of dollars for the best architects and and the nice buildings and the stained windows. And people come from all around the world to say, well, isn't that a beautiful church? That's not a church. It's a building. But today, as I look to the congregation of God's people, I can testify as a preacher saying, wow, isn't this a beautiful church? Because now he loves us so much, he wants to dwell in us. But we're weak and we're frailty, we have flaws. Yes, we do. Yet God, who is the great God of heaven and earth, has said, I love you so much, don't build me a building. Allow me to come into you so that you become my building. Are you hearing me today when we walk around this world with low self-esteem and insecurity thinking I'm a nobody and I'm nothing and I'm going nowhere and, I, and I'm hopeless and I've got and I'm helpless and the Lord said, hang on a second, you are the very one that I want to put my spirit into. I want to dwell in you, but I'm broken and I've got flaws. That's okay because God will take all of that. Hallelujah. And clean us up for his glory. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You see, we're so caught up in looking at others and judging ourselves against others. Oh, if I could just be like the pastor, if I could just be like the pastor's wife, they're so holy and righteous. And I know they're great people. But let me tell you something, friend. God never called you to be like the pastor. Be influenced and inspired by your pastor, 100%. But just as you are, God wants to fill you with his spirit. He's not going to share you with somebody else. He wants to take you just as you are. And while we walk around feeling like we are so weak, let me tell you, friend, God is building his church with a pack of weak people. I came into Pentecost, the friends that I came into this with, some were selling drugs. One of them, one of my best mates, he, he came back to the Lord in a prison cell, in a jail cell over in Surrey Hills Police Station. He came and preached for you a couple of weeks ago. He just smashed somebody at a club and thrown them through a, a fridge window. And the, I mean, he's testified. It's not a secret. The police took him away and it was there. He cried out to God. I've come to realize that the church is not made up of perfect people. The church is made up of desperate people. The church is made up of lonely people. The church is made up of broken people. Hallelujah. The church is made up of you and me. Why don't we stand this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are your hardest critic because you know yourself like nobody else. But I believe that God knows you better than you know yourself. He's not surprised by what you struggle with. I'm not just talking to the guests, I'm talking to the saints as well. That have secret struggles that you're too ashamed to let people know and reach out for help. Because you think if you do that, people will be shocked. Let me tell you, God moves in your life because he knows exactly who you are. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you angry. He knows when you fail. And yet he says, that's my daughter. And that's my son. And we think, but Lord, I'm not as worthy and as holy as everybody in this room. Well, friend, let me tell you, our holy God wants to dwell in unholy people. Our holy God has given us his holy word. Our holy God has given us his holy spirit. Our holy God has given us his holy name. And yet we are undone. But this morning, I simply want to tell you a simple story. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. We are weak, 
but he's strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why don't you be the pat your chest and say that to yourself right now? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Friend, you don't know me. No, I don't know you, but Jesus does, and he loves you. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at or what, or how the Lord's ministering to you. But I simply want to, in, in this simple message, I just want to tell somebody, He wants to refill you with His Holy Spirit today. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's the Spirit of Almighty God in you. It's all throughout the New Testament. They began to speak in other tongues as they came to the Lord to change their lives, and He filled them with His Spirit. Does that include me this morning? That's everybody in this building that understands what I'm talking about. Let me tell you, friend, God wants to pour out His Spirit into your life. (laughs) The great God that said, let there be and there was, is the very same God that brought me here this morning to say to you, He loves you and wants you to walk out of this church building with the Spirit flowing out of you, refreshed in the Holy Ghost, restored in the Holy Ghost, set free by the power of the Holy Ghost, delivered today by the power of His Spirit, overcoming today through the power of Almighty God. If that's you, friend, I want to invite you to this altar this morning. There are ministers and leaders. We want to pray with you. We're not trying to make you members of this church. This is a great church. Don't get me wrong. I would love to attend this church. But what we want for you today is to walk out of this place filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. Not in the building, but in you today. Is there anybody that needs a refreshing in the Holy Ghost this morning? Is there anybody that's ever asked themselves that very same question? I don't know why Jesus loves me. Oh, but I'm so glad he does. Uh, is there anybody with a Sunday school heart today that can walk into this altar and say, you know what? Jesus loves me. This I know. Uh, if that's you today, why don't you come and spend some time in the 